Welcome to C-Time Living Podcast. I'm Bob Laddick. Hope you're doing fantastic today. And it's a good day for me. I got to interview the CEO of Crown Financial. Crown Financial has just kind of been like the role model, big brother that I've looked up to from the beginning of doing what I'm doing. Uh, They've just been the leaders in the Christian personal finance movement and Christian financial education space. I'm sure you've heard of them. And uh, Chuck Bentley is a CEO over there and just a fantastic guy. And it was such an honor just to have a conversation with him. And I think some really fantastic stuff came out in this interview. And so if you are married, if you want to be married, if your marriage is going well, if you're struggling, you know, fighting about money, any of these, like, I think you're going to get some real value out of this. Uh, My wife, Linda, listened to the interview that I did with him. And she's like, this is so good. I want everybody to hear this. And she listened to a lot of our stuff and she thinks a lot of it is good, but she really thought this was good. So I think you're gonna get some real value here. And um, with all that, I think I'm just gonna zip my lip and get into it. All right. Hey everybody, I am excited today because I have Chuck Bentley here, the CEO of Crown Financial, which is just one of my favorite organizations. They're just the biggest Christian financial ministry out there, and they're doing some awesome things for the kingdom. And Chuck is just an awesome guy who I've looked up to for years, and so I'm so honored just to be able to speak with him today and to be able to bring him on the podcast. So we're going to be talking a little bit about marriage and money. Chuck wrote a book tackling some of the issues with this, and so we're going to talk a little bit about that. But um, Chuck, thank you so much for taking some time out of your schedule to come hang and to help our readers and listeners. Well, thank you, Bob. I want to just... Uh, return the compliment. We've been big fans of yours for a long time. From the day you started, I remember the buzz around our office. There's some guy doing Christian personal finance, and he's reaching a lot of people online. And so we really loved it. And we we were fired up for you. And uh, my wife follows you on Instagram to this very day. She knew about Oliver. She, she, she was up to speed when I told her I was going to be on with you today. She was like, oh, tell him I said hello. I love his work. And so we really are grateful to be here today, Bob, and it's my opportunity to thank you for the good work that you're doing. Yeah, well, that means more than you know. I really appreciate that. I'm excited that we both get to kind of run arm in arm, pushing forward this cause that is both near and dear to, I think, both of our hearts. Anyway, so Chuck wrote this book, which is called Money Problems and Marriage Solutions. And I want to talk to him a little bit about this because I get a lot of questions from readers about how to handle some of these challenges that inevitably pop up, even in some of the best marriages uh, when it comes to money. Yeah. And Chuck has a really interesting story here. So I want to talk a little bit about this. So Chuck, can you tell me a little bit, because you and your wife, Anne, yeah, I mean, you hit some bumps in the road with your finances in your marriage at some point. Can you talk a little bit about that and a little bit how you worked through some of those things? Yeah, we don't come from a position of strength. In fact, my wife, would not agree to have her name on the book with me unless I had a disclaimer that we're still a work in progress. She <laughs> was fearful that I was going to say we were like the poster child for how to do this right. And we're far from it. We struggled, yeah. Bob. I mean, really, really struggled. We loved each other. We got married and had high hopes and aspirations. And we got along well in most areas, except for our finances. Yeah. And what we found out is that that's kind of the most critical area. And so where we thought it was sort of a tangent to our marriage, it turned out to be a central issue and a a real key problem. 
we admit that we didn't get along in this area. We didn't agree in this area for 21 years. That's a long time. It's a a testament to my stupidity and my stubbornness and my (laughs) arrogance. I thought I was right about it. She thought she was right about it. And so we missed the opportunity to work together. We just missed it. And we look back on those years and we thought, what if we could help couples not miss those early years? We could help them get in sync and enjoy the benefits of what I think marriage offers, which is a real solution to your financial problems. Uh, You know, Bob, a lot of young people think that marriage is a uh, a financial constraint in and of itself, that, you know, we we should just live together or we should figure out some way to, to not put our finances together. But all the research indicates that that's absolutely backwards. It's upside down. Marriage actually is a financial premium. It is not a liability. And so we studied it. Not only did we, Ann and I got on the same page, but we studied the issue and realized that one of the best things you can do for your finances is to be married, be faithful in your marriage, and be on the same page financially in your marriage. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting you brought up that point. I remember reading that. You mentioned it right at the beginning of the book. Um, and I, <laughs> yeah, you said marriage is not the cause of our financial problems. In fact, it's the very best solution to our financial problems. And like, I, that's something that, I mean, I was taken back. I'm like, really? I've never thought of that. And we hear the contrary. I mean, from talking heads and from random people making comments, but that's really exciting. And it makes sense that God designed it this way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, certainly, Bob, think about this. The Bible says two are better than one. And so we tend to do that math like this. Well, if two are better than one, then maybe our finances will be kind of a double improvement. But the numbers actually show that it's better than that. I think it was Vanguard or Fidelity did a study of the amount of money in savings by couples versus singles. So just to, not whether they're Christian or non-Christian, but just looking at how much money they have in their account. What do you think the premium was if you were married versus single? I have no idea, but I'm sure you're going to okay. tell me. <laughs> yeah, good, good idea. Don't go, don't fall for my trick question. It's not double. It was 10x. Really? Married couples have 10 times more savings than single people at these trading houses. They looked at that and thought, something's going on here. And I looked at it and I thought, yeah, I know what's going on. Two are better than one. You help each yeah. other. Yeah. But you're missing the premium in your marriage if you're not if that's not how it's kind of working out for you if you're stuck like we were and you know we think that people can accelerate their financial health and the ability to flourish if they can get on the same page and that's why we wrote the book that's amazing 10x that's so cool that's really exciting all right let me ask you this and like i mentioned originally earlier i get asked like I'm sure you get this question a lot, but a question from readers generally goes something like this. I am working really hard on getting our finances in order, but my spouse doesn't care. They're not on the same page. And what do I do? (laughs) That's always been a question where it's been challenging to me because as you know, there's so many variables. There isn't a one size fits all solution to this question. I know that you have, you know, met with hundreds or thousands of couples. I know that you have, you know, gone really deep in this you've written a book how can you shed some light on some answers that you found for questions like these? 
Well, I'm happy to be specific without sort of going all the way through the, the process that I wrote in yeah. the book. About. But what we found is that most people give an answer to the question that you just got, like my spouse doesn't care. You know, we can't work together on this. They give an answer that assumes that the mechanics of finances will solve the problem. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's their first mistake. Uh, the, a budget doesn't solve the problems of a marriage. It helps. I'm pro-budget. You're pro-budget. We like budgets. But to make the assumption that the budget is going to fix the marriage issue is wrong. I realized that there, were, there was so much more to it that Ann and I had never captured in our, in our conversation or in our teaching but a friend of mine actually in Brazil called and said, I want you to come and teach couples on money and marriage, but I don't want you to talk about budgeting and saving and debt. And I don't yeah. want you to talk about the mechanics. And I thought to myself at first, what should I talk about? You know, <laughs> what am I going to say? And then I realized, wait, there's a whole lot more to it yeah. than just the mechanics, especially in that case that you just mentioned. And that is not that uncommon where one person is sort of, passive about it and another person is maybe aggressive or too aggressive trying to compensate for the passive one yeah. and what what i found is there's usually somebody hurt in the marriage bob just from you know speaking in general about the experiences we've had the person that's passive has usually been hurt and they've just hit the eject button or they've hit the you know the capitulation button i'm just not going to engage because i'm yeah. going to get hurt. because it's a super sensitive topic I've really thought a lot about why is it so sensitive? Why is it such a, a supercharged area where there's a trigger if you know it's brought up? I think for two reasons. One is that a man feels completely disrespected if his spouse is complaining about the finances. It's painful in a deep way of our sort of our identity. Yeah. I've been there. I made so many financial mistakes that I was silently fearful that my wife would leave me for my mistakes. I didn't say it to her. And if I had, if she would have probably said no, but I knew that it was bugging her. I knew that it attacks her need for security. And so if she's got a need for security and things aren't going well, and she brings it up to you and you feel threatened or disrespected, and all of a sudden, there's a wedge and there's a wall and there's a relational barrier. And you just stop working together. You kind of say, okay, you do that. You take that part. And that's where I think the enemy starts to win the battle. That's where the 10X factor gets destroyed. And where couples actually start to go backwards financially. And they can't figure out why it's not working for them. And the, the, the issue is they're not working together. Yeah. And I think God designed us to be... Uh, mutually helpful. And and so I would say to that couple, I'm sorry, I'm giving you too long an answer on that. No, it's a great answer. I would say to that couple, the first thing you need to do is not a budget. The first thing you need to do is to get reconciled with each other and ask for both to be engaged. Appeal to your spouse. I want you engaged. And that's really where we come up with our first step in the book was learn to be a peacemaker. Because if you're not a peacemaker, you're going to have that opposites repelling and not get there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I feel like in our case, Linda and I, 
out of the shoot, when we first got married, I was kind of like, that was when I was really starting to get into personal finance and realized I'm a mess. I'm trying to get out. Um, she hadn't quite come to that realization yet. So I was trying to string her along a little bit. And we were making some progress, but once we be, we got in unity, like you're talking about, so we had a budget before that. We were making some smarter fin- financial moves, but we didn't really see progress until we were in unity. And that like was a game changer. And, and honestly, when you say that 10x thing, it makes so much sense to me because we just saw that thing that once we were in unity and an agreement, it just catapulted us forward financially. So yeah, that's really good. Bob, I did not realize that I was married to my greatest financial advisor. I, I did not realize it. I, in fact, I didn't treat her that way at all. And it was through the pain in, of our mistakes that God helped me to see she's right there. My wife is phenomenal with this stuff. Yeah, I was not engaging her uh, wisdom, her sense of accuracy, her precision, her intuitiveness, her uh, skill at keeping the books and records straight. All of that I was missing. And I was trying to do it myself, thinking that I was going to somehow impress her with it. And it wasn't. (laughs) Yeah, that's so funny. Kind of coming back to, you know, some of the couples that you've counseled over the years. And you might have already answered this, but, but if not. So what one decision or change of belief uh, have you seen in certain couples that has set them apart and maybe it is this unity thing but if there's something else like just a really big key thing that many couples are missing out on that a lot of them got a hold of and it just changed everything i think that if i would just sort of put it into a a little handle for people is that when you are about to enter into a financial fight stop and recognize that the enemy has already won the battle when that fight starts because you've destroyed your ability to work together and you have terminated the 10x benefit. And so he's won. He's just, he's got you exactly where he wants you. So when that starts to happen, when you, you know, it's happening, you know, you get that. It's uh Oh, yeah, um, you can feel it. <laughs> yeah. It's coming. It's somebody's offended. Somebody's going to not, that's not, not going to work out very well. Make this decision. God wants us to fight the financial problems together. He doesn't want us to fight each other. Yeah, yeah. God, God, God doesn't want us to fight each other. Satan wants you to fight each other. He's loving that. And so if you'll just back up and wait, wait a minute. I don't want to go down that road. I want to embrace her, turn and face our problem together and fight together. That simple little paradigm shift helps stop the cycle of just perpetually being frustrated and angry with each other and unable to make progress. So kind of flipping things in the other direction here, you know, I was reading some of the stats you had in here and I'd read some of them before about the top predictors of divorce. Of the couples you've worked with, the ones that have gotten divorced. I mean, I know you don't have all this information, but the ones that you've seen who have gotten divorced primarily because of financial reasons, what were some of those things there, those red flags, those things that the cautionary tales, the things that we can be aware of to try to avoid? Yeah, that's pretty broad. You know, people get divorced for a lot of different core reasons, but when it comes to the financial issue, 
the, the, all the studies show that it is the leading predictor of a divorce. So financial arguments, regardless of income, regardless of wealth, those are the leading predictors of divorce. And I think the reason that it's, it's so central, and I'll get to some of the, the symptoms, but the reason I think it's so central is because people feel unloved if finances aren't taken care of. Your spouse spells love, secu- you know, security, S-E-C-U-R-I-T-Y. Yeah. Yeah. And if money is insecure, then she's going to feel like you don't love her. And she's p- more prone to speak in disrespectful ways and, and cause you to feel unloved as well. And so it drives a wedge in our hearts because it's just so personal. You know, just some of the extremes that I've seen. I've had a couple come in for counseling that uh, she discovered that he had hidden all of his uh, debt accumulation from her before the marriage and after the marriage. And when they Mm -hmm. came to see me, uh, they had $250,000 in consumer debt. They were both working on straight commission. And he had missed a couple of months of hitting his quota and getting his normal paycheck. And so he made up uh, some sales and got fired. And so he came to her and said, I've got some bad news. I've lost my job. I haven't made my quota for the last two months. I lied about it. And there's about $250,000 in debt you didn't know that we had. (laughs) I bought your wedding ring on credit. I didn't tell you about my student loan debts. I paid for our honeymoon on credit. And those two cars in the driveway, I really didn't pay for. I borrowed money for it. Now, it was a tough one. And somebody somewhere referred them to me. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Pastor. So (laughs) Pastor of the church. And I really hurt for them. And so I call that financial infidelity, where you're lying to each other. You're covering. you're, You're not transparent. And that's so destructive to trust in a marriage. It's almost akin to uh, sexual infidelity, you know, where you you cheat. You, he cheated his wife, and so she left. I had a couple come in just recently that she came home from work. They were both employed, both professional, and uh, their furniture was sitting out in front of their yard to her shock. They had been foreclosed upon, and he didn't tell her that he was behind on the mortgage. Wow. For them, they decided that, I mean, there was a complete meltdown. There was a complete disaster relationally. They had three children. Can you imagine Linda coming home tomorrow afternoon and your virgin's <laughs> out there? Divorce yeah. is not far away, right? You yeah. know, it was knocking at their door, but that couple turned, they fought each other fiercely. And then when they came to me, we walked them through this process and they quit fighting each other. That's great. Because that wasn't going to keep the that wasn't going to stop the foreclosure. What was going to stop the foreclosure and stop the you know losing everything they had is if they would work together. Yeah. And it was so interesting. I said to him, you know, there's one way to solve this problem. And he said, What's that? And I said, Let her manage your finances. Because he was doing it all like I had been. And he and yeah. he had never thought of it. And once she got a hold of the finance, you know, the checkbook and the budget and all those things. I can assure you, no foreclosure. She's going to get the bills paid. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
One of the uh, groups of people who I want to talk to a little bit are the people who might be listening or watching who uh, can maybe, you know, are starting to see some of the benefits and the potential of what can happen when you both get on the same page, husband and wife get on the same page. But I'm sure there are some people watching and listening who feel like uh, it's not going to work for them, who feel like their spouse is a unique, special case yeah, it's just not going to work for them. It's not worth the effort or the potential battles that will come because whenever you mention money, this one spouse shuts down. What would you say to somebody like that? Yeah, I would say that there's always hope. I, I do not believe there's any case that doesn't have hope to be restored or recovered. Yeah. And I've seen it over and over and over and over, Bob. I, I've seen what I believe are miracles in this area. Yeah. By the time they get to me, sometimes they've been through everything else. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm the I'm the last stop on the train, and it's always bad. I feel like I get the bowl of spaghetti, and somebody says, "Make it into a nice, you know, uniform grid." Yeah, and do it fast. And so I've had those experiences. I, I had one where a couple couldn't look at each other, couldn't talk to each other. There was such a a damage and a wound in their lives that. It was almost like if either one of them said something, there was going to be an explosive type yeah. of reaction. And people had said there, there was no hope. In fact, when they got to me, the, the, the wife handed me a note that she had written, didn't show her husband. And I read it as we started counseling together. And it said, I cannot go on any longer like this. If today doesn't help us, I'm taking my own life. And wow. I thought, Lord, how did I get into this situation? It felt overwhelmingly dire. This was the couple that we were sitting outdoors at like a Starbucks. And she was on one side of the table. He was on the other. I was between them. And they could not even kind of face each other, Bob. And so they were ready to give up. And what I discovered in talking with them is that neither one of them ever apologized to the other. Hmm. And so what happens when you don't apologize and sort of defrag all the baggage, all the, all the wounds and all the hurts, is that it's just one brick on top of the other that builds a wall. It's yeah. a relational barrier, and neither one could get around that wall. And so I don't know why I said it, but I just looked at them and I said, We're, we can't go forward until one of you apologizes to the other for something. Somebody's got to apologize. And I remember sitting there with my arms folded thinking, I wish I hadn't kind of come up with, you know, that wasn't, I could hear my watch ticking, Bob. It was dead <laughs> silence. And I thought, how long are we going to sit here? But I was just waiting, waiting, waiting. And to my complete shock, the man who was very stoic, very objective and difficult. He was difficult. He fell out of his chair out there in this outdoor setting with other people around, hit the concrete with his knees, crawled around me to her, put his head in her lap and wailed, will you please forgive me? Wow. In this public setting. And she immediately said, yes, I forgive you and I love you. And they both cried. And it was sort of this Mental picture for me was this wall just crumbled into dust. Yeah. Then we started, okay, now let's work together. Yeah. You can do this. 
And so I have hope for every couple to answer your question. Everybody yeah. has hope. Yeah. I mean, and seeing something like that, and I'm sure you have tons and tons of stories like that or really of amazing things happening. Yeah. I mean, that's got to just really inspire you to continue doing what you're doing and that this stuff works. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And it's, it is inspiring, Bob. And, and I take it from the standpoint, you know, as I said, people come to me when it's usually pretty serious and, uh, People come to me thinking that the divorce is inevitable. Sometimes yeah. they both have a lawyer and they just kind of meet with me to see if they need to go through with it. I've seen it over and over get sorted out. And so, yeah, I, I really do believe that marriage is the solution to the financial problems people are having and that if we can help them to get it right, they'll go from being in deficit financially to being able to flourish, but their relationship will just become you know, thrilling. And you, you and Linda are experiencing that. Ann and I are experiencing that. It's one of the benefits of being on the same page that I think is somewhat underestimated. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, you know, like I was mentioning a little bit, uh, but I mean, that's one of my favorite things in life <laughs> is just being uh, in unity with my wife. You know what I mean? Because it's one of those things before you get married, I feel like maybe... I don't know. You have a, a skewed view of what marriage is, but we spend so much time together. We're, our lives are so intertwined together that when we're not in unity, it's terrible. And when we are, it, we feel unstoppable. And it's just a really important thing. And I think another point to consider here, and you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this too, but uh, it's bigger than just us. It's bigger than you and I or just or our spouses. It's like this affects the rest of the world. This affects the people that, you know, we are going to reach or impact with our lives because when you're in the middle of a battle with your spouse, normally you're not at your best to go do whatever God has called you to do. Normally, I mean, at least for me, those are the moments where I struggle to obey the Lord in the small things that he asked me to do because I'm frustrated about this or that or the other thing. And not to mention, like you're talking about that 10X factor, like what does that mean for the giving that we can accomplish in our lives, you know, when we're together. So anyway, any other thoughts along those lines? Well, I think it's a, an important point because for me personally, and I want you to think about this. I've been married now more than 40 years, but to this day, my wife's support and encouragement and affirmation and, and knowing we're in unity is one of the greatest sources of courage and strength that I have mm -hmm. apart from the Lord. Yeah. When we're together, I feel emboldened. I feel like I can run up the tallest mountain. I, I'm my fullest. I'm more fully alive. But the opposite is true. When we're in conflict, when there's, I grew up with this term, sand in the sheets. You know, where yep. it's uncomfortable. You're not close to each other. And, you know, it's just you kind of go to bed angry and you wake up angry and it's just kind of grinding it out. I'm my weakest, and. I've had to explain that to my wife, even a little tension now we're sensitive to because it does impact everything, Bob. It impacts your ability to perform. It impacts your ability to, to fulfill your purpose, to give as, as much as I think God intends for us to. You know, we weren't on the same page giving. I, I don't mind revealing that after 21 years, I and asked me, you know, to analyze our giving, what I'd been in charge of and it was 2.6% of our gross income after 21 years. And I was super happy about that. I thought, man, I'm the national average. 
yeah. I've got it going on here. And she looked at me and thought, that's not what I want to do. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the areas where she was super disappointed in me. I thought, feels pretty good to me. We're making it happen. And why would you be unhappy with that? And what I found out is my wife really, really did want giving to be our top priority with money. Yeah. And we unified around that, but it was a process to get there. Yeah. And I would say that was a really, really big shift for both for in our marriage. It, it required my change, but it also brought a lot of joy to us as we started to work together in that area. Yeah, that's so good. All right. So I, want, I don't want to take up much more time here, but I'd love to hear any final thoughts you might have of encouragement to people who are just struggling with all this and maybe where, you know, you or I have been at some of our more challenging times or maybe far worse with kind of battling out with our spouse. Any other final words of encouragement you'd have for them? Yeah, there are what I call the soft issues, the issues that have nothing to do with the mechanics. It's not whether you're good with math or whether you know how to you know, fill out a budget form. It's not whether you're the spender or the saver. All those issues that people tend to, to get into, I think, miss the mark. What really needs to happen is people need to analyze what's inside, what's in your own heart, and are you willing to change in order to come together to experience the benefit that God intended for your marriage to have? to truly, truly flourish. For me, it took a lot of pain to get me to that point. I was stubborn. If Ann were on the interview with you, Bob, I try to keep her out of the interviews because she tells the truth on every question. She's a complete, <laughs> unfiltered truth teller. And she, uh, she would laugh about that watching even now, but that's the truth. She would just say, you know, Chuck was difficult personality to live with. And I was, there were times we, she wasn't sure she could make it to endure my, my personality and some of the decisions I made. But she prayed for me for 21 years. Yeah. Silently prayed for me. She's very quiet and, and a very deep thinker. And so just between her and the Lord, she kept asking the Lord to get a hold of me. And of course, if she had told me that, I'd have been offended. Like, why are you praying for me? You know, no. what's wrong with me? I don't I need that prayer. <laughs> you've got a great, you got a great deal here. Yeah. Uh, she was praying for me, and God answered her prayer. That's what changed. And then, then we worked on the, the non-mechanical issues. How were we peacemakers? I think it takes two in a marriage to really thrive. Not just one. You can survive in a marriage if one of you is willing to apologize and make it right. But if both of you are, in fact, we try to be first. When we're offended, when we're not getting, you know, along, we we sort of it's unspoken now, but it's like who's gonna go first? And usually we're in a little bit of a competition to be the first to apologize. That's helpful. Yeah, that's great. We apologize. We admit we were wrong. We admit we need to learn. And then what we've done is we've worked on defining what is prosperity to us. Mm-hmm. For, for Anne, it was inside our home. For me, it was outside our home. Yeah. And that's the reason that we were going different directions. The more successful I became, the more miserable Anne became. Yeah. And I honestly could not understand that, Bob. And she had to explain it to me that my heart was outside the house. It was my next promotion. It was my next rung on the net worth 
calendar and the ladder and she didn't feel a part of that. Yeah. And so we had to define prosperity. What does it really mean? And bring it back into our home instead of out. We worked on our joint purpose as a couple. What are we here for? Why did we get married? What are we supposed to do together? Not just Anne supporting my purpose, but us having a joint purpose. And then we uh, worked through our philosophy. What do we believe about finances? She brought a belief in the marriage. I brought one. Neither one of us had a biblical belief about money, a biblical philosophy. And so we adjusted there. And then we had to learn to accept our personalities. And that was the big step that brought us together. So instead of offending me or getting on my nerves or making me feel like a failure, if she needed to correct something or input to the issues, I embraced her. And she is as detail-oriented as they come, Bob. Yeah. And I'm not. You know, the detail person is usually right, but the big picture person doesn't want to admit it. And so, <laughs> that, you know, that tension existed when she would bring up a detail. And when I discovered that I needed her, I didn't just tolerate her. I actually needed her. I went to her and apologized for treating her personality, her particularness, her details, small, minutia questions with disdain. I apologized for that. And I welcomed her in to say, okay, speak into this. What do you think we ought to do here? What bills should we pay first? Which debt should we prioritize? What should we stop doing with our finances? Where do you want to give? What should we invest in? And when I opened up about those things, two really became one. Mm -hmm. We had been like this and God made us like that. And like you just gave encouragement to, we became a solid unit, inseparable in many ways. And that last bit of area of our life where we didn't feel compatible because we're total opposites, God made us compatible. It was like the gears synced. And we started making huge progress emotionally, relationally, spiritually, and financially. Yeah, that's so good. All right. Well, this is the book. Money Problems, Marriage Solutions. If you're listening to us, watching us right now, go get this if you need it. Go buy it for somebody who does because I really feel like this is a big, big deal. I know as well as you do that this is a really common problem and it just affects way too many marriages and there's a lot at stake and it's a, it's a really important thing. So, so yeah, if you are struggling with that, definitely check out the book. Chuck, thank you so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. I know you have a lot going on. And where can people find out more about you uh, if they need to? Crown.org, crown.org. We have a very, very simple web address. Uh, You can find us there. And I wanted to mention a couple of things before we wrap up. Sure. Uh, Congratulations on Oliver. I don't remember if I congratulated you up front. My wife wanted to be sure that I got to say that today and uh, congratulate you as your family is expanding. That's great news. And truly, thank you for what what you're doing, Bob. I hope we can... Uh, be more collaborative in the future and help more people. Yeah. I, I'm really honored. Honestly, we, we've we been around a long, long time and we're a global organization, but we sincerely appreciate what you've accomplished and how many people you've been able to help. Oh, it means way more than you know. So thank you. Well, thank you, Bob. It's great being with you today. God bless you, friend. 
And if you haven't already, head over to SeedTime.com so you can get your free email course from us on how to master your money using biblical principles. So that's all for today. Have a great rest of your day. Adios. Adios.